You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 183 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening. It is September. We are talking about Braves baseball, and joining me as often, Scott Coleman is here. What's up, man? How's it going, Brad? It's been a couple weeks since I've been on, just traveling and life and all that good stuff, so good to be back, and and obviously the Braves have been playing really well. Uh, Sunday notwithstanding, they've been doing uh, pretty fantastic over the last few weeks, so lots of good stuff to talk about. Yeah, for sure. And uh, while today's game did not go particularly well, I sort of uh, made a, a funny passing mention of how we have to talk about today's game. We don't really have to talk about today's game much, but we'll, we'll come back to some, we'll do more results a little bit later on the podcast. Um, we, we're going to handle a little bit of roster stuff early just to, just to kind of get it out of the way and we'll uh, we'll push the game stuff because it, it, it was very, very good as everybody I think knows if you're listening to this podcast, we'll save that for the end. And uh, quickly, let's I want, I want to thank I want to thank Eric for pulling double duty in the last couple of weeks and also Zach Dillard for pinch hitting for Scott because uh, Scott just is too big for us. That's all. <laughs> I'm kidding. Traveling across the country, brother. Weddings nonstop, it seems like. I understand. Um, all right, let's let's dive in a little bit here. Uh, you know, in addition to the big topics, which is what's going on in the field, there was roster expansion, um, kind of a slow trickle this week. First, it was AJ Minter and Bryce Wilson coming up. Then it was Adam Duvall and the great Darren O'Day making his uh, long-awaited appearance on the roster. Um, and then Austin Riley came back on Friday, lined up with uh, facing a lefty, which made a lot of sense, and Patrick Corbin. Um and, you know, a lot of people were asking for our thoughts on the roster and looking ahead to the playoffs. I've talked about the playoff roster a couple day, a couple of podcasts in a row now, so I don't want to do too, too much on that. But it's interesting because, you know, they've now loaded the roster up to, like, you know, more than 30 players for the stretch run. And uh, Mark Bowman, friend of the program, released a projected playoff roster that we can talk about if you'd like to a little bit. But what, what are your thoughts on the expanded roster, you know? Obviously, AJ Minter being uh, not very good is uh, kind of the one thing that jumps out to me because you know we kind of all expected Duvall and Riley to be up whenever they were going to come up. Riley a little bit longer, um, based on Gwinnett's play, I suppose, but not Gwinnett's done. So uh, no, no worries there. And the roster is what it is, and it's September baseball. But what were your thoughts on kind of the way that was constructed? And I guess we can look ahead as well. Yeah, this time of year, it only makes sense. I mean, as we saw again, not to talk about Sunday's game too much, but you know it was. I don't want to say it was a blowout and the game was over, but you kind of have the sense the way that Max Scherzer was pitching. The game was, uh, it wasn't a one-run game in the eighth inning where if if you throw out guys like A.J. Minter, Chad Sabatka, Darren O'Day, you know, it's it's a long year, and I think the bullpen has been really heavily used over the last six weeks or so. Um, by bringing these guys up, obviously you're not going to uh, start throwing them out there in, in close games, or at least I wouldn't hope so. Um, but if in games where you're down eight to one, I think Jeremy Walker also got called up. He got some garbage time work today. Um, I'd much rather give these innings to those guys than, you know, throw Shane green out there. Who's been used so much or Chris Martin or, um, so yeah, it makes sense. Bryce Wilson came up and then went, went, went right back down. Um, it never hurts to have guys who can throw multiple innings out of the bullpen. I think that's what Bryce will probably do here. The final couple weeks, maybe even make a spot start or two. Um, assuming they clinch fairly early on to, to give the starters some rest. So it makes sense. All the teams do it and with good reason. The bullpens at this point in the year are pretty gassed, and you just want to make sure you have enough juice for the final couple weeks of the year and then, of course, the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you have three catchers. You have all the all the stuff that you would want in September, uh, and it, it makes a lot of sense to carry those guys, you know, you know using the – the lower tier pitchers does make sense. You know, there was some faint hope. I think you tweeted this out as well that, um, you know, it'd be nice if AJ Minter was AJ Minter again, but there's no sign of that. It's just that he's been, uh, 
bad all season. And I wish he was really better because th- that's kind of the weak spot in the bullpen. If you look ahead a little bit, is that um, is that lefty spot beyond Sean Newcomb, who who has up he's had his up ups and downs as well. But um, if you assume Sean Newcomb is there, you know it's, it's Jerry Blevins or bust. There really isn't anybody else um, since Minter has been so shaky. Uh, so that that's kind of a weird spot. And it was hope we were kind of hoping that Minter was going to show a little bit better, but that hasn't really happened. Um, I want to oh, and by by the way, the. Uh, the whole thing I wanted to mention quickly about today's game, uh, I guess shouts to Brian Snicker a little bit for uh, getting the stars out of the game today. They they sat the last two innings, which isn't, isn't a huge deal by any means, but Snicker has uh, kind of notoriously been bad about playing guys and overplaying guys, so it's a very, very small victory, but uh, he got the stars out of the game for the last two innings in a blowout, and uh, you know that's something that happened that I want to at least say you know, good on him for doing. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the advantages of having a now nine-game lead in the division. Um, you know, if they were a game up on Washington and down a couple runs, would they do it? I don't know. But when you have this advantage, it's something the Dodgers have done really well. Not to always compare the Braves to the Dodgers, but the Dodgers obviously know what they're doing. Um, when you have this much of a division lead, you have to do things like this. Once you're in the you know games 140 and 150 of the year. Um, as you said, just a couple innings off is smart. Even if it prevents someone fouling a ball off their foot and being a little hobbled for a day or two, it's all worth it. Um, get those guys a breather and, and then get ready. Cause, um, while the Braves have built themselves a division lead, they have a, a pretty tough upcoming stretch, which we'll talk about, you know, Phillies and then the Nats again, um, they're going to need to be ready to go for this. Um, if, if they're going to make a run. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, worth saying, and I guess we buried the lead a little bit. When you win nine nine in a row in 17 of 19 games um, at a really good time, it allows you some uh, nice opportunities. And that's what I think hopefully will be the case. You know, nothing is over, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we get going on the podcast. But uh, a nice situation the Braves are in allows them to be a little bit creative and be flexible and kind of utilize all the roster tools that are at their disposal here. Um, I did tease the Mark Bowman piece. I want to reference it a little bit here and again without going too deep on it. Um, some interesting takeaways that I thought we should uh, at least hit on from his projection. And again, it's a projection, and apparently this is going to be a weekly thing from Mark, um, who, of course, is uh, someone, someone's work and we enjoy. But um, I thought it was interesting that, that he only, only projected two catchers because I've been thinking for a while since Cervelli, especially since Cervelli is a, a real player, um, Snicker seems to like three catchers, and only having two on this, on this projection was interesting to me. And the other one that I think was at least noteworthy um, is the fact that Ender Enciarte was not on the projection. Uh, Billy Hamilton was, um, which is worth noting. And also, um, so was Adam Duvall, so was Austin Riley, so was Johan Camargo. So basically, everybody but Ender. And I think from what Bowman was saying, it's basically health-related. He's not projecting Ender to be left off if fully healthy, but um, just basically saying that they, that they weren't going to rush him back. That's kind of what I took away from this, but was there anything else that jumped out to you and any, any thoughts on a projection that does not include Ender or Cervelli on it? No, not too much. It's worth noting that Nick Markakis is now penciled in. And, and there was also an article, I think on, on Friday that came out that, um, that Nick and Ender had both progressed pretty well. And they were a little bit ahead of schedule, I guess, uh, it kind of flew under the radar. No one had really reported it, but, um, Nick's been taking batting practice for a week now. Um, yeah, they've been. They've like, been. Uh, uh, I was down there this week actually, and there, there's there's a little bit of buzz about about Marcakis. You know, some some whispers that he was out doing a little bit. So that that one is less surprising. And there's been a little bit of chatter on that ender. It's been much more quiet. But the Marcakis thing is not being like you know promoted by them necessarily. They're not like Snickers not going out and talking about it all the time once he's asked about it. But I think Marcakis is um pretty pretty close from what I have heard. That's not like me pulling pull out sourcing, but just kind of being there once this week and reading between the lines i think he's he's getting pretty close yeah and and just because he's out there too it's going to be interesting you know freddie freeman said that it took him really a full year when he broke his wrist i'm not saying they're the same wrist injury or or whatever it may be but freddie who is obviously as good of a hitter in baseball as there is said it was really about a year before he regained full strength in his wrist i don't know what that means for nick markakis who's a guy who doesn't have uh, or never really had the same pop that Freddie had. So yeah, I mean, it, it's bad news, healthy. by the way. If if he's not if he's not full strength, it's it's bad news for him because at full yeah. strength, Marquez is a solid supporting piece. If mm-hmm. he's not full strength, I mean, this is over oversimplifying, but if he's not full strength, he doesn't really help you with much of anything. Yeah. Um, so that's something to monitor. I, I'm sure that they're going to be careful with him to a certain extent. But you know, I tweeted about this a little bit this week, and I want to get too deep into it, I guess. But I have a a very strong suspicion that Marquez will be overused 
and compare it to where he should be used um, when we get to October. And that won't be his fault. That'll be just Snicker going back to the well and treating him as an everyday player. I hope I'm wrong about that. I think he can bring value in the in a supporting role. But I have I have fear, and I know I'm not alone on this, that he's going to suddenly just be there every single day, and that would not be a good idea. Even if he is yeah. healthy, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. And I think, I mean, again, you talk about the advantage of of having this lead they have. I hope that they don't rush him back now. They won't. Uh, obviously, the Braves medical staff has has done a really nice job this year, I think, and um, and they certainly know, and Nick knows how he's feeling better than any of us do. But um, I do hope that because they have a couple of of good options, um, I also want. It's not even on our little dock of things to talk about, but Matt Joyce has been phenomenal this year. Like really, since the beginning of the year, he was a guy the Braves plucked for basically nothing um, right before the season began. Um, homered again today off Max Scherzer. He's homered in back-to-back games now. Um, last I checked, he has an on-base percentage above 400. And this isn't a guy who's in a Charlie Culberson role where he's maybe getting like three at-bats a week. I mean, you look at him now, he's up to 100, 191 plate appearances this year. Um, and on the year, while and granted he's predominantly facing righties, which is his strength, uh, hitting 296, 403, 488. Uh, with a 133 WRC plus, he's walking a bunch, isn't striking out too much either. Um, so as we're as we're talking about, I guess corner outfielders and the prognosis moving forward, I did want to plug uh, Matt Joyce at the prime age of 35 is having one of the best offensive seasons of his career with the Braves. Yeah, it's funny. I, I got a message on Twitter this week um, that was like kind of making fun of us for going overboard and our Matt Joyce praise last week. So I'm really glad you did it again. We're turning into the Matt Joyce uh, praise podcast. But you're right. I mean, he, he's been awesome. I mean, I, I said it a lot last week. I don't, I don't want to add too much there, but he was. Uh, he's been really good. And uh, the hitting, if nothing else about Matt Joyce, we know that he rakes against right-handed pitching because he's done it for more than a decade. Like yeah. he doesn't. He's not great at anything else. He doesn't. He's not a great fielder. He doesn't really hit lefties that well. But um, you know, short of the stars on this team, if I have one at bat, I guess I guess the right-handed pitcher, it's probably Matt Joyce for me. Mm-hmm. Short of the stars, take 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 the top four out, and he'd be the guy I go with. It's either it's you know him and McCann would be in there, and Marquez would be in there too. But I would go with Joyce. Um, that's how good he is against righties. So uh, yeah, worth pointing out, and it's a super valuable piece to have, and someone who's been really consistent throughout the season. Oh, one more thing before we get off the roster. Um, I, I should at least mention that the roster projection that Bowman had also left off Hecheveria, um, which doesn't surprise me too much. He, he noted that it's kind of, I'd be kind of choosing Camargo over him. I think Camargo, you know, has not been great this year. We've talked about that a number of times, but with, Unless Dansby is shaky, which I don't think he's, I don't, I don't think he is. I think there, there's every reason to think that he is healthy. Hetchabria doesn't really do much for you. He's a pure backup shortstop and a glove first shortstop, and you're not going to take Dansby off the field. So unless there's some weirdness with Swanson or you or you just have nobody else, there's no real reason to carry Hetchabria, particularly because you have guys on your roster. Uh, in this instance, it would be, you know, Ozzy could play there too, but you have Camargo and Culberson who, who, who both can play shortstop. Something were to happen to Dansby, you can do that. And Hetchabria just doesn't hit enough. I know he's been pretty pretty solid with the Braves and as an overall guy, but he was really just there while Dansby was out. If, if Dansby had been healthy, they probably wouldn't have signed him. There, just, there wasn't a whole lot of reason to do that. And I think in the playoffs, um, you know, it wouldn't blow me away if they carried him, but I'd be on the other side of that. I'd rather have Camargo. I'd rather have Culberson because, you know, I think those guys just have a little bit more utility. As bad as Camargo has been, I think, you know, with the bat, I probably trust him more than Hechevarria. He, and he can also play corner outfield spots, and Hechevarria is just basically a backup shortstop. Do you agree with that, or is, is he someone who is more on your radar than he is for me? You know, I think I would actually take Hedgeveria over Culberson at this point. But I, I mean, wouldn't mind that, except for the fact cares. that Culberson plays everywhere else. Like, I, yeah. I think Culberson's been bad, and I'm trying not to point it out because every time we talk about him being bad, um, we get yelled at. But he hasn't hit really at all since the beginning of the season. Like, he was really hot early, and he hasn't really hit for a long, long time. But I think we just know he's going to be on the team. That's kind of where I am. I, I just think it would be a big departure from Snicker to not have – Culberson on the roster. I just think it'd be a little bit shocking to me, as even as bad as he's been. A, he's just the guy they love, and B, he plays everywhere. Like yeah. that's the, that, that's yeah. the advantage that he has over Hetcheveria. Because I, I agree, Hetcheveria is probably a better baseball player. It's just that Culberson has the the longevity and the flexibility that I think they're probably going to prioritize. And I think you know you mentioned it too about Dansby, assuming he's healthy, and he has struggled 
a fair bit since coming off the injured list. Um, you know, I, I, but as you said, it's hard to envision a scenario where Dansby comes off the field where you're really worried about a defensive hole at shortstop. Yeah, right? They're not like, going to do that. <laughs> it's, it's Dansby. You know, you're not going to pinch run for Dansby. You're not. He, he's not a guy who has extreme splits. Uh, as a it would be injury only. Like I can't imagine yeah. a healthy scenario where he's not playing all nine innings of, of a playoff game. It's just and, not and I guess yeah, and I guess that's I'm, I guess I'm kind of talking myself into Culberson at least as things stand. You know, it's hard to envision a scenario where Dansby isn't playing defensively. I guess if he were to get hurt in the middle of a game, then you survive with Culberson or Camargo at short, and then you know if it's a serious injury, you you make that roster move. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the guy, all the guys, all all these players, kind of on the fringe playoff roster. I think there's about 20 or so of them who are locks or, or close to it. And then there's five, uh, five guys, or there's obviously five spots, and there's maybe 10 players who are going to be right on that, right on the cusp of making it or, or just missing. So um, you do have a couple weeks to kind of sort it out. You hope everybody stays healthy and and see how the guys perform over the next few weeks. But again, it's it's not the worst problem to have. We've talked at length about how much of an issue depth was last year. And, and I think Tinthopoulos in the front office cr- office's credit, um, he's done a really good job of building more than just a 25 man roster to the point where you have 30 or 35 players in the organization, where if you had to put them out there in a uh, game five, game seven scenario in the playoffs, you wouldn't completely have to cover your eyes and hope that either the ball didn't get hit to them or that they didn't come up in a big situation at the plate. Yeah, there's no Rene Rivera, there's no Ryan Flaherty on this uh, on this roster competing for the playoffs right now, which is good. And by the way, we should at least point out, I'll do it, I'll, I'll do a mea culpa, that Culberson did homer today, so um, he did something recently, which is good. And I, I still go. think that he has he has more utility than I, than I want to give him credit for. It's just the bat has not been there for a few months now, and, but maybe he's coming out of it, and we'll see how that goes. Oh, and to your point about guys who are sort of jockeying for playoff position, um, I think, you know, Without going into the rotation bullpen conundrum too much, you know, I think pretty clearly Cervelli, Camargo, Culberson, Riley, Hamilton, Duvall, um, not really Ortega, I don't think. I think he has no chance, barring injury. But that's, you know, seven guys. Hechevria, you know, there's there's probably seven guys competing for like three or four spots. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, not a bad problem to have in terms of the uh, bats. Quickly on the rotation bullpen side, um, Bowman projects a four-man rotation, um, basically w- with the four guys you might think, Soroka, Keichel, Max Fried, who's been awesome recently, and Julio Tehran, with Fulte coming out of the bench as kind of, uh, sorry, out of the bullpen, as kind of the only long man in the bullpen. Um, it's the guys you would imagine, Melanson, Green, Martin, Newcomb, Luke Jackson, and Blevins is, you have to have a lefty, basically, and then Fulte. So only 11 pitchers, that does not surprise me, given that Fulte is one of the 11. If you have a real starter in the bullpen, that allows you to go a little bit shorter, I think, and that's kind of what I would do, but I mean, there's not too much wiggle room here. Is there anything that you would change? I, I can't imagine what you would change unless you just like trusted Josh Tomlin over Fulte, which I guess they could, but yeah. Fulte's upside yeah. is just so much higher. It's not, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. I think the only thing that'll play a little bit of a factor is who the Braves end up playing. Um, yeah, and, and again, not to turn this into the 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 playoff. Uh, we'll do we'll do we'll do all that later. I promise. It's yeah, coming. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but if you play a team, for example, like the Cubs, who have a handful of really good left-handed hitters, then I think Jerry Blevins' role and having two lefties becomes far more important than if you're playing the Cardinals, who are basically a right-handed exclusive lineup. I think they have one uh, true lefty in their entire order, and it's Colton Wong, who's not going to scare you, right? So no. Maybe you don't care as much about a second lefty in that scenario, and you prefer a righty like uh, Anthony Swarzak, who struggled, or Darren O'Day, or Jeremy Walker, something like that. Um, but ultimately, no, I think that's that's probably going to be what uh, what the, the bullpen looks like. Yep, that's probably going to be it. And again, we'll come back to this. It's only September eighth. We're going to talk, you know, three or four times between now and the playoffs, and we'll uh, adjust as needed. Um, okay, that's that's enough of that for now. Let's take a quick break, Scott, and we'll come right back and talk more about what happened this week and look ahead a little bit. All right, we're back, and um, yeah, it was a fun week at the office for the Braves. Obviously, Sunday did not go well, and that goes without saying. But um, as I referenced quickly earlier, they they won nine in a row. They had won seventeen of nineteen before today. Um, a mini sweep over Toronto, which is not unexpected because Toronto's not very good. But it was uh, still nice to see them take care of business there, and then taking three or four um, very very important baseball games from the Nationals. We can sort of take the big picture approach in a minute, but 
you know, anything stand out to you? I, I, my favorite thing that I wanted to reference first and foremost this week, um, and there's a lot of things to talk about, um, were the two performances from Ma- uh, there was the Max Free game on Thursday and the Dallas Keuchel game on Friday. Dallas Keuchel has a sub one ERA in his last five starts. It doesn't always look like he's absolutely dominating, but Keuchel coming on in a big way. Um, has been very nice, and I thought Free was awesome again on Thursday um, to set the table, really set the tone for the series. That's probably a little bit overstated in some ways, but coming out and just blanking the Nationals for seven innings in the first game of an all-important series, those things just kind of jumped out to me as uh, really, really important in terms of uh, navigating what became a series win. Yeah, you know, we, we were talking on Thursday that it was weird in the sense that with four games against your division rival in the playoffs right around the corner, the Braves were in the position of even if they split the four games, they were in good shape. They would still have been, uh, what were they up? Seven games, eight games at that point. Um, even if you split the nationals don't gain any ground and you cross four big days off the calendar. Well, they go, go ahead and of course, and win three out of four division leads at nine. It got up to 10 after Saturday night's win. Um, but yeah, Freed and Keiko were, were fantastic. Um, I, I think if memory serves the nationals, are the best hitting team in the National League against left-handed pitching. So for those two guys to uh, dominate the way they did was was even more impressive. Freed, you know, he's had a couple of really dominant starts. That was as dominant as we've ever seen him. Um, he was basically perfect after the first inning, and it was an infield single from Anthony Rendon. And after that, um, it wasn't even like the Nationals were hitting line drives or hitting under the warning track and being caught. Uh, he was dominant. So... Uh, Freed was great. Keiko's great. He seems like he's kind of really hit his groove. You know, of course, he's for him. He was talking uh, during an interview the other night that he almost is in the middle of his season right now. His his season's really more in like June or July because of his late start. And that's when he said he always felt like he kind of really got into a groove and he was up and down. I think uh, there were some frustrations and inconsistencies or in the first month or two with him as he as he uh, did something he's never done before signing in June. Um, but no, those two guys are really great. Julio was, was really good once again on, on Saturday night. Um, so take three out of four from the Nats, add another game to the division lead, um, all while cutting four days off the calendar is, is really good. Yeah. I, you know, pretty clearly the, the big picture was, uh, awesome in that you took care of business. You lose one game this week and, um, it happens to be the game that we, uh, right before we, right, right before we record, we record the podcast, which is less than optimal, but still, um, you know, no, uh, no complaints. Uh, I have to ask you, it's something we haven't talked about a ton. Um, does Mike Soroka cooling off worry you a little bit? Not not worry. Worry is probably the wrong word. But he hasn't been quite as good, which is to be expected. He was kind of pitching over his head a little bit for most of the season. You know, He had a sub-2 ERA for a long time. Um, his ERA, even after today, I think is not, you know, I'm looking at it now trying to pull it up. But, you know, he wasn't great today by any means, and he's not been getting pelted by any means, you know, it's two, his, his ERA is 2.67 for the season, that's obviously quite good, but is that the pitcher he is? Like, that that's a question that I think somebody asked me on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, so my apologies, but is there any concern for you that Soroka, you know, while, while still pitching well, hasn't been the dominant ace necessarily over the last five, yeah. six starts? Yeah, I, I tweeted it too, I mean, I I'm not concerned, right? Like, it's not like, oh, no, the Braves, this kid that they've rode all year long is now falling apart because there's no shame in giving up four runs to the Nationals over six innings. But um, even today, I mean, he he had a fair number of strikeouts, but the umpire was terrible. And like three or four of his uh, seven strikeouts were balls that were like a foot off the plate. So his day could have been even worse than what it was. Um, He gave up a couple of homers uncharacteristically to a pretty bad blue jays lineup um so yeah it's not like a great concern like you know it's not like oh god yeah I'm not, I'm, I'm not sounding the alarm like he, he's still been fine it's just that yeah. when you have this rotation of guys you know dallas keichel for all that all that i just said positively about him at this point in his career does not strike me as someone who's going to be terrifying to opponents he's still a good mm-hmm. pitcher and you know we, we praise that signing he's been very good i'm not saying anything bad about dallas keichel but he isn't the cy young "Quote unquote guy that he was." So if Soroka isn't that guy, it's a little, a little bit concerning. I think Max Freed is the one guy who could probably go out and just like tear a lineup apart. Even when Soroka was cooking like that, I mean, there were nights when he looked like when he looked that way, but it was more like him just being awesome generally, not just him dominating people. If that makes sense. Yeah. 
I don't know. Yeah, no, it's it's weird because you look at his numbers and obviously he's been so good. They're really good. good. He's been awesome. Um, The one thing, though, that was kind of the one primary concern was, and he was so good at, was limiting home runs in a time when everybody's hitting homers, right? Like, there's like seven home runs every night, it seems like. So for him to be so good at limiting home runs and then all of a sudden he's starting to give them up. Now, maybe it's just a three or four game sample where – it's just baseball, and, and he's going to give up his fair share of them. I mean, even even coming in, like I'm, I'm looking at this now. This is this this does not include today, and which wouldn't make these numbers look worse. The 15 starts before today, his ERA was 3.4. Now that's really good. That's a good ERA, but you know, some of that's just regression from it being like 1.4 before that. Yeah. But at the same time, like you know, that's. 15 starts is a half season of 3.4 ERA. And if that's your worst half season, that's awesome, clearly. But it's just, I'm trying to, I'm not even sure what I'm saying. It's just a situation where I want to be realistic about what Mike Soroka is. And he's still super duper young, number one. He's never thrown as many innings in his career, like anywhere close to as many innings in his career. And if he keeps going, you maybe you hope you skip him a time or two. Um, yeah. down the stretch because the division lead and all that stuff. We were talking about opening doors earlier, but he's still going to be sitting at, you know, 170 plus in innings. And if yeah. you want to make the run you're going to hopefully make here, it's going to be a lot higher than that even. So it's just, I'm not concerned. Concern is the wrong word, but it's just more like, okay, let's note the fact that he hasn't been dominant for three months now. He's been yeah. good, not dominant. Good's fine, but, you know, it's just... If, we, we've all kind of been talking about him as the clear number one starter on this team because he's been that all season long and he's performed that way. But I'm not sure that does him justice, if that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I think ideally, what's the what's the magic number at right now? 11, something like that. Yeah, uh, it's exactly 11. So yeah. uh, ideally within, oh, you know, 10 days, two weeks, they, they clinch. And they can comfortably skip Soroka a time, even Freed as well. Um, even skipping like a Julio start, I wouldn't hate. Like bring up, bring up guys who are on the forty man. Bring up, like, bring up Kyle Wright. Kyle yeah. Wright throw up. Kyle Wright throw a start. Kyle Bryce Wright. Wilson throw a start. Whatever you need to do. Yeah, like who can even like Josh Tomlin could be stretched out for four or five. Like who cares sure. if, if you've yeah. if you've clinched the division and they have a. You know, I think right now they're they're four and a half or five back of the Dodgers for the number one. Oh, seed. I was gonna say, I'm glad Probably you brought that up because we got a couple questions about that today. Like, I think from last week's podcast, we've sort of downplayed the pursuit of the number one seed, and you know, with, with the way the Braves played this week, it became more interesting. You know, they lost mm-hmm. today and the Dodgers won, and now it's three and a half games, which yeah. is not that that's uh, that, that's but... a number that you certainly could close. Um, at the same time, you know, 538 is the projection system that updates in real time. They have them projected five games ahead of the Braves. And well, so, and they won the series, too, the season series. So if they tie, then the Dodgers get the one seed in the Braves. Yeah, so it's a situation where, yes, it's not over. And I think it's a lot more likely that the Braves finish first than it is that they don't win the East at this point. That's That goes, that goes without saying. But I, I don't think you can worry about that unless no. the Dodgers just really, really blow up here. Because... I'm not sure it's wise for the Braves to put the foot to the floor all the way to the end um, on the chance that they catch the Dodgers because we're we're all hoping, and at this point it seems pretty likely that they're going to be able to cruise in the division a little bit because, you know, the the lead is what it is and the 11, imagine number of 11 with 18 games to play is uh, a pretty nice cushion. Uh, It's not over. Again, I'm I'm an Atlanta sports fan. It's not over till it's over. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not closing the door. I'm not ringing the bell. I'm not doing any of that stuff. But, you know, number one seed is not out of my mind, but it's not my concern, honestly. Yeah. It, it's get to the finish line healthy and ready to go and set up for the playoffs. It's not really yep. going in. And you, honestly, you could argue that you'd rather have the two seed anyway. The only thing that changes is basically an argument between would you want home field against the Dodgers in the, in the second round or would you want to face not the Nationals in the first yeah. round? I don't know. I, I go both ways on that. I, I don't think it's a slam dunk. People were acting like it was a slam dunk that you want the one seed. I guess you probably would, but it isn't like a definite for me. I think the Nationals are pretty clearly the third best team in the National League. Maybe, maybe I'm just on that limb. If you don't believe that, then you probably wouldn't want the two seed. But if you think the Nationals are the third best team, and I, and I do, um, I think I'd rather just avoid that and have them play the Dodgers in the first round. But Yeah, me too. And, and I think, too, you look at it, so the Braves... 
are 89 and 55. The Cardinals, who now have a four and a half game lead over the Cubs. Yeah, they've been awesome by the way for a while. <laughs> yeah, they've been they've had a pretty soft schedule and they've just been crushing people um, while the Cubs and Brewers beat each other up. And but at this point, the Braves have a eight game, seven and a half game lead over the Cardinals. I mean, for sure you want home field advantage in the in the NLDS. Like in a short series, oh, yeah. I think it's so much more important than in the NLCS. Yep. Um, so if the trade-off is, well, yeah, they're going to be the two seed, and if, yeah, if they win the NLDS, and if the Dodgers win the NLDS, then you have to open up the, on the road, then so be it. I would much rather fall a couple games short of the, of the Dodgers and give, you know, skip a Mike Soroka start, skip a Max Reed start. <laughs> yeah. um, because as we talked about, Soroka, this is his first full year, this is Reed's first full year. Um, even Julio's logged a ton of innings. It would be really nice to give those guys a breather um, and get them ready for, for October. It certainly would be. And one quick note about the Cardinals, as we just brought them up, they were sub-500 at the All-Star break. So that kind of tells you that they've been uh, on the Nationals-Braves trajectory of just lighting the world on fire for the last you know two-plus months now. They were 43, They were 44 and 45 at one point. So now they are anyone. Yeah, they're 37 and 17 in their last 54. So they've been really good. But yeah, I, no, I they are. I still, I, think, but... I still think that you'd rather play uh, them than the Nationals or the Dodgers. Oh, easily. And you look at their team, and that's, you know, it's kind of like the Braves' uh, problem. Their last couple playoff teams is like, yeah, they're a good regular season team, but they just don't scare you in a short series because of how their the roster's built. Like, Jack Flaherty's really good, but Miles Michaelis is not a you know, shut down Max Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin type, Adam Wainwright is their number three. He's been okay. You know, so Bra- it's not Braves like, legend, Adam Wainwright. That's oh. right. Yeah. Never forget. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so all this to say, you know, you don't want to go too far here and, and start projecting playoff series victories on September 8th or whatever today is. But no. um, I guess to kind of wrap it all up, I, I wouldn't worry too much. I think that that's the whole playoff seating thing is, is going to be what it is. Um, clinch the division first, rest your guys, and as long as you're no worse than the two seed, I think you're in good shape. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, and I started to do that tangent about Soroka. It's just uh, it was it was on my mind, and somebody asked me about it, and I, I meant to say on last week's show, and it got even a little bit worse this week, so I wanted to point that out a little bit. Um, that's I don't know. That's probably all we need to say about this week. Obviously, it goes without saying that just going out and winning can't be overstated you go out and win three out of four against the nationals and you basically take your nl east odds from like 90 percent ish to 98 99 um in four days and that and that's that's with a loss i mean you know if they, if they won a day it would have been uh the avalanche would have been here um so they were kind of due for a <laughs> loss i suppose um yeah. let's look at let's look ahead a little bit unless you have more to reflect on from this week we, we can look ahead at the schedule and just like kind of what's ahead because yeah. I mean, the Braves, we said it before, but imagine the magic number is 11 with 18 to play. That that means the Braves could very realistically just do it on their own. If they go 11-7, and seven, the Nationals can't catch them. And by the way, the Nationals are not going to win out. I'm sorry, that doesn't really happen. I guess there's maybe a, point, a .001% chance the Nationals actually win all of their games. No, but that does not seem insane, likely. Yeah, they have an insane schedule. They have yeah. the Twins. They still have to go to the Twins. They go to the Cardinals. They host the Braves. Um, yeah, we talked they, about the they, gauntlet. I think it was last week on last week's show about the Braves having yeah. played the Nationals and Phillies so much, but then the Braves at the very end of the year play San Francisco, Kansas City, and the Mets, and yeah. that is a nice break compared to what the Nationals have. So yeah, and a Mets team that's probably going to be out of it. They lost again today. Yeah, you would imagine. I mean, you're going up there, and I'm, I'm sure they want to play spoiler a little bit because it's a division series and it's on the road, and you don't want to take anything for granted. But again, we're, we're hoping that the Braves are setting up the rotation by then, and we're going to see some. Uh, some soft yeah. lineups and some days off and all that fun stuff that week. So 11, imagine number 11 with 18 to go. Obviously an awesome situation, 99% division odds, most places, 98, 99%. Um, but at Philly this week for four and then Washington again, um, the matchup I have circled on my metaphorical sheet here is uh, Friday, the rematch, Soroka and, and Scherzer again. Um if things go well, the next four days, maybe Friday, we're even in, in, in a better in a better spot. But uh, that that was just fun to see those guys like even just written down f- facing yeah. each other. It's just one yeah. of those things that you get excited about as a baseball fan <laughs> to talk about that. But you know, four against the Phillies, 
what's the goal there? I think the goal for me would be go up there and split. Uh, realistically, yeah. you want to do, you want to do more than that. But if you can go 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 ahead and get go ahead and get two out of four on the road against the Phillies team that you know the Phillies have been a disappointment this year overall. But they're still a team that's over five hundred. They're not a terrible baseball team. You certainly no. can't be expected to go in there and win three out of four games, even with the Braves playing so well. The the math would tell you that a split is pretty likely, and that would be just fine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at Monday night is faulty against Aaron Nola, who has been terrific and is terrific. So even if they lose Monday, you talked about splitting, then you it's kind of their best against your worst. But then you have Freed against Jason Vargas, who's been pretty bad since coming over. Keuchel against Eflin. We talked about how good Dallas has been. And then Julio Tehran against uh, Drew Smiley, who is apparently starting games for the Phillies right now. Um, so, yeah, you go two and two. Um, we mentioned the Nats. National schedule, so they're off Monday, but then they have a three-game series against the Twins, um, and they're going to face the Twins' three best starters in that series, uh, which helps. Uh, so yeah, just just split the series as long as you don't start getting swept. They're going to win the division. There's only you know it's it's really a numbers game at this point. Don't Every say win, gonna, Scott. I don't I don't like that. My my, after, my Atlanta sports radar is going off. Don't say gonna. After the Blues won the Stanley Cup, I I no longer believe in curses. So you're the uh, only one. Let me bring on. Yeah, I know that's maybe because I'm not an Atlanta fan across the board, but exactly. Um, but again, uh, <laughs> just just win two games. Shit. Even if they lose three out of four, just hope that the Nationals don't sweep the Twins. Suddenly, the Nationals have lost um, this past week. If it wasn't for that insane seven-run comeback against the Nats, or yeah. Let's talk about Nets. that. But let's just mention that real quick. What a, what a ridiculous baseball game that was. And that was last time that, that happened since we recorded last. That was Tuesday. If you somehow missed this, the Nats came back from was it seven down or six down? Seven. I think they were down six and scored seven. Yeah, yeah, ten to four in the ninth, and they score. Yeah. They score seventh. They score seven and uh, win it on Tuesday, eleven to ten. Um, but aside from that, I, I think you were going to say they they still this week went went two and five even yeah. with that win. So they were they were due for some regression, as the Braves probably are too. Um, but. Uh, the Nationals were due for the cool off. They had been incredible for a long time, and uh, it happened. And then now, by the way, your prize Nationals is to go on the road to Minnesota and play a very good baseball team. So, yep, best of luck yeah. with that. Yeah, and then then they get to turn around and host the Braves for three games. And those at that point, then you know you talk about both the Phillies. I mean, you look at the Phillies. Uh, the Braves can actually eliminate the Phillies if they win three games this week against. Oh, let's let's uh, have that happen. Philly, let's, let's they could uh, they could knock them off at at least out of the East. Um, you know, the, the wild card race is kind of funky. I guess we talk, we, we survey the National League. I mean, the Nats are three up. I can't imagine a scenario where the Nationals don't make it. Even with a tough schedule, they're a good enough team with a three game. I could, yeah, I could see them. I could see them not being the home team. Like, they have a three game lead on the Cubs, and it's what, four and a half on the Diamondbacks? Yeah. Uh, they're obviously the big favorite to be the number, to be the home team in the, in the wild card game. I, I think the Cubs. Just being the Cubs and the fact they're only three back, they could chase them down. It wouldn't be, it would not be a big surprise. But you know, if you're talking about the Diamondbacks or the Brewers or the Phillies having to climb, you know, five games in the loss column in in, yeah. in a what seventeen eighteen games, that that's a that's a big way to drop. So I think the Nationals are going to be there. Um, it's a one game playoff. Who who the bleep knows what's going to happen in that game, mm. um, yeah. whether it's the Nationals or not. But I think I think they're the best team and they're three games up. So the combination of those two things puts them in a pretty good spot. The other the other game, I mean the other the other team though, there are there are what four teams within two games. Phil, yeah, Phillies, Brewers, D-backs, and Cubs are all two game within two games of each other for that yeah. second wild card spot. And then the Mets are not done. I mean we've we we kind of buried the Mets a second ago. They're, they're probably done, but they're only four back. I mean they have to pass yeah. three teams. That's that's more that's more of the problem. Is they have to pass four three teams. They have to probably win. I mean they have twenty games left. They probably have to go like fifteen and five. Which yeah. is a lot. Um, yeah, this week too. Looking at the schedule, the Mets and Diamondbacks actually play each other, so that's a series that will probably uh, will probably put one of those two teams to bed. I mean, it's kind of fun this time of year when you have a nine game division lead. You can kind of look and enjoy the other races. You're not like sweating yeah. out every pitch. Now again, that's not too. I don't want to get yelled at in a couple of days if the Braves lose a few in a row and say you, you know, you were you, you know, <laughs> you jinxed them. 
you it, big it, it'll be me yelling at you not not everybody it'll just be that, me like on text true. message screaming at it, you scott it's for me uh tempting the atlanta sports gods i guess <laughs> um, but uh but yeah i mean it's it's gonna be a fun uh fun couple weeks the american league has a really good wild card race too going on so um it, it should be a fun a fun stretch and again you know the braves play seven games this week if they go four and three the the division is basically over even if they go three and four the division is pretty close to getting wrapped especially if they can win a game or two against the nationals um, magic number of 11 it's just it doesn't it may not seem as easy as it actually projects to be but if your magic number is 11 with 18 to play like you know the nationals what's the best okay in your mind right now let's do the math what is the absolute reasonable best case scenario for the nationals down the stretch like 14 and four um and they have what the 18 games left 20 games left i think i think they have 20 they have, left. 20, they have 20 left sorry they have 20 left the Braves so, only have 18 games left. i mean absolute best case like 15 schedule, and 5 16 and 4 probably i mean best case is probably like 15 and 5 i mean they would have to go like the thing is they, they've already had their nuclear run and they still couldn't catch up to the braves yeah i mean um, if, it, if, if we say 16 if we say 16 and 4 which we both we, we, we both think is exceptionally unlikely if they go that's four losses the magic number is the magic number is eleven. If they go sixteen and four, which again is wildly unlikely, like a two percent outcome, if that, the Braves would still get in. The Braves would still win the division if they go seven and eleven. Yeah. So the with, the odds of that are sub one percent. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I am not closing the door because I have seen some things in my life, but um, <laughs> yeah. including a twenty eight to three Super Bowl lead. There it um, is. I had to. But listen, it's probably a sub 1% outcome. It's certainly a sub 2% outcome that the Braves don't win the NL East at this point. Um, the stars have to align it in such a way that it's just absolutely insane. And I just want to put the numbers out there. So, yes, I guess the Nationals could go eight, could go 19-1. They're not going to do that. I'm knocking on all wood in front of me right now. But it's they're not going to do that. So, yeah. realistically, if the Braves just don't completely fall apart, just don't go... Four and fourteen. That's mm-hmm. basically what you have to do. Just sort of win, sort of be five hundred. I'm willing to bet a heavy amount. If the Braves go even seven and eleven, they're they're going to they're going to win they're going to win the NL East. Yeah. So especially with the schedule and uh, looking ahead to next weekend, they will see Max Scherzer again on Friday, but they will miss Strasburg and Corbin in the series, which is nice. So they'll get. Animal Sanchez, who's been pretty good ever since his early season funk. But Joe um, Ross. But I, would, but I would certainly take Anibal over uh, those other two, their other two aces. Um, and then either Joe Ross or Austin Foth, who was actually pretty good on, uh, was it Saturday night when he pitched? Yeah, I uh, mean, it's projected to be Joe Ross right now on what I'm looking at, but uh, neither of those guys are going to scare you. And Anibal, I mean, Anibal against Max Freed is not a disadvantage for the Braves on paper. Um, you know, anytime you're facing Scherzer, it's advantage nationals and the betting lines will tell you that and all that stuff. But any other matchup within reason is not going to be a huge gap. Even if it's Strasburg against Fulty or Julio, who yeah. pick your, whoever your, whoever your least favorite guy is, that isn't a huge mismatch for the Braves. Um, if yeah. it's Scherzer against Fulty, you, you know, you're talking about a pretty significant underdog in that situation because Scherzer is the best pitcher in the world, or at least one of the best three pitchers in the world. But yeah, I mean, just the math. I'm trying to do the math and rely on the math and not my and not my horrors from the past. Um, the math will tell you that the Braves are in incredible shape. So yeah, yeah. There, there you go. Um, all right, Scott. Well, we probably blabbered on enough. Anything that you wanted to get out there that we've that we've missed so far? And if not, uh, anything you got going on and uh, looking ahead? I know we talked about the schedule, but you writing anything? Talking about anything? Just planning for stuff on this podcast or what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bowman actually stole my thunder a little bit. I was gonna work on a uh, kind of a playoff roster it. construction yeah so that i'll just dunk on I, just dunk on mark bowman's and then and post it and then send him a text like hey hey <laughs> right, bowman yeah. see this dunk yeah. on you. <laughs> no I, yeah. I actually i met mark a couple weeks ago for the first time i talked to him a couple times in my life but i met him a few weeks ago for the first time talked to him again this week great guy yeah Trust super mark nice guy yep um so yeah so we'll have that and as always on the on the twitter machine is always a good time um, but yeah, keep checking it out. We do want to give a shout out to the minor league guys. The, uh, Braves yeah, minor season's over. season is over, over Gwinnett is out. So, and they were the only team. So shout out to Eric and all of the minor league gurus we have. And 
um, and Road to Atlanta and all that good stuff. Those guys do great work. So be sure to check out that if, if you haven't. Yeah, they're going to continue. It's not going to be weekly, I don't think, on Road to Atlanta just because, you know, much like this podcast. In fact, it's, this podcast is easier to do in the offseason because at least we can talk about free agency. There yeah. isn't too much to talk about on the minor league podcast. They'll find some stuff because they uh, live, breathe, drink minor league baseball and, uh, to, and prospects. But I can't imagine it's going to be weekly, but hopefully uh, Road to Atlanta will still be around on a, on a fairly regular basis, and uh, I second that. I th- they've done a great job this year. Um, our content will continue on the site, of course, as well, but please subscribe to this feed. If you haven't already, that's a good place to start. It's just hitting the subscribe button on whatever podcast platform that you like. And uh, w- along with this podcast, which you hopefully enjoy, Road to Atlanta comes on the same feed, and uh, I definitely recommend it because that's, honestly, I say this all the time, and I, ac- I absolutely mean it. My, basically, the entirety of my prospect, uh, my prospect catch-up stuff happens b- between listening to that podcast and reading our minor league recaps. So, I always make fun of myself and saying I'm not the prospect guy. There are things I don't know for sure, um, but I I learn most of what I know about our prospects and the system from those guys, and yeah. uh, I I take them as pretty much as gospel. You know, everybody everybody's wrong sometimes, and you you want to take the whole picture as well. But our our guys do the most work on the Braves prospects. Of anyone, they watch the Braves prospects constantly. Um, I know national guys do a great job. Fangraphs, Keith Law, all those guys do a good job. But they're not only watching the Braves prospects. Our guys are just dialed in on those guys. So yep. there you go. I know I'm tooting our own horn to some degree, but Eric's not here, so he, he, won't, he won't get cheapish because he's not here. So I can do that in in full throated fashion. Um, they do a, they do a fantastic job. It was a pleasure to read those guys again all year long and listen to them on Road to Atlanta. So trust them. Yeah, good work, fellas. Appreciate it. Um, anyway, well, Scott, thank you for joining me. We did 45 minutes in September on a, you know, it's, it's baseball overall, just an awesome week of content for the Braves, just performance and everything that was going on, you know, sort of fell a little bit flat today, but it's important to kind of ignore that and just talk about the rest of the week. And it was, it was an awesome display of baseball kind of putting the foot on the throat of your opponent is, is fun to watch if you're a Braves fan and hopefully they'll slam the door in even more significant fashion this week. Um, and as you said, a four and three pretty much ends it. So go ahead and do that. That'd be fun. Let's just, yeah. I hope, I hope a week from now we're talking about like, to a point where I'm actually just like slamming the door. That, that'd be fun. I, I look forward to being the last guy who's willing to wave the flag and just say, all right, it's over. And I, yeah. I will be, I will be the last guy, Scott. I will not say <laughs> until then. I don't but, blame you. I, I seriously, that Atlanta thing is, is pretty unreal. So I, I don't blame <laughs> you one bit. Um, but yeah, shout out to your time... Colts and my Falcons for both losing today, by the way. Yeah. Well. You know, I, I was hoping to get through it without talking about football, we, but we got you to know. the end. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What can you do? Hey, Colts looked all right post Andrew Luck, I guess. Um, Falcons, I don't know, man. It, it, tough opponent. And uh, I have Julio Jones on fantasy team, so hopefully Julio does good. Oh, the Falcons. Uh, yeah. Let's not talk about this anymore. <laughs> I brought it up, but I, I, I regret my decision. Um, all yeah. right. Well, thank you, Scott. I appreciate it, man. We'll talk much, much, much more. And then now that the Braves are basically in the playoffs, um, we can talk about this at least plug it a little bit as we did last year our plan is to record a podcast every, after every playoff game um last year it was only a handful of games but uh hopefully that will be a little bit longer this time around it'll be me and someone else and maybe if i can't do it maybe it'll just be scott and eric or whatever but we are planning to have a, a new podcast after every game we, we're not going to be a daily podcast moving forward but in the playoffs we'll be almost daily so uh buckle up for that and subscribe tell your friends yeah let's hope it's more than four games that was the one after the win last year was super fun. Like we talked like an hour, hour and a half. The others, uh, well, I didn't, I don't think I did. I think I did like games one and two. Um, and it was just kind of depressing. And then game four, you're just like kind of bummed that the year's over. Yeah. Um, it's like, all right. We'll, we'll see you yeah. guys in January. No. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we get to do, you know, 10, 15 of them this time around instead of, instead of the quick four. Ooh, 15. That would be a uh, world series. Oh, that, Scott. that would be, Hey, you know what? I actually, I predicted that earlier today. I probably jinxed the Braves and they're going to lose uh, like in public now. Yeah. Like, I don't know. The Dodgers save those tech for the podcast, Scott, save those I, for the podcast. What's going on? I know. Come I on. think the Dodgers have some issues. Their bullpen has problems and, and, like Ryu's in trouble and and but anyway maybe I should have led with that but I think it's at least I think there's a good chance I mean I think this is truly the first team like you heard here first September eighth <laughs> like Scott Coleman year. predicts World Series victory yeah like last in fact year, that's gonna be a headline playoffs. of this podcast now oh, cool. Scott Thanks. predicts World Series victory 
Like, <laughs> no, I pre- I predicted they would make the World Series oh, and then sorry. probably get steamrolled by the Astros, who were going to be. Well, who? Yeah, like, the Astros are another thing uh, together. But. but I think, like, you know, but like last year, the playoffs are just kind of like a cherry on top. Like, we were happy and they were way ahead of schedule. And then in 2013 or whatever, they were outmatched. And 2010 was a great team, but they had all the injuries in August and September and fell apart. Like, this is the first team, barring a couple of major injuries over the next three weeks as I legitimately knock on wood that like there's going to be expectations to win the the first round and if not win the second round depending on the opponent you know go yeah, six, at, at a bare minute I think at this point in time we can kind of declare on September 8th um I can speak for the fan base and we hear from people all the time um if the Braves don't make the NLCS people are gonna be very very upset yep yeah I Barring think if they lose injury, to the Dodgers most people will be like you know disappointed but if they lose to the Dodgers in the LCS, they'll be like, okay, they're better than us. It's okay. Um, if they don't make the NLCS, people are going to be disappointed. And that's yeah. that's okay. I think that's pretty reasonable at this point. You know, I'm not going to tell you that the Braves are a lot to do that. But reasonable, rational expectations, the Braves are going to be favored in the first round of the playoffs. Yep. So Significantly, I think, too. Like, yeah, I mean, with home field advantage, if they're playing the Cardinals or... That's the most likely. That's the most likely opponent. If they're playing the Cardinals in round one. The Braves are favored in that series. They just are. Yeah. So yeah. it's baseball. Anything can happen, both positively and negatively. But that's not the expectation, and that, that's a whole different ball game to kind of what you were saying. You know, last year kind of was the spoiler all season long. They sneak in the playoffs. They're playing this juggernaut and they lose, and that was it. Was okay. It was it was tough to watch in the moment, but everybody realized pretty quickly that was the right outcome. The Dodgers were just way better, and that wasn't a big deal. Um, this year, you know. Modest expectations, but preseason aside, pretty much since you know late May they've been the favorite, and now they've been awesome, even better since then. So, I think you know it can be it can be damning sometimes to have expectations, but hopefully they rise to it, and they they've risen to it so far. They've been living up to it pretty much every day for three four months now. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, Scott, we've rambled on we've rambled on enough. Thank you, my friend. Absolutely, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Sorry for missing the last couple of weeks. Such is such is life. But glad to be here, and uh, and it should be a, a fun final three weeks, and then hopefully lots of playoff playoff pots. Yep, uh, I totally agree. Uh, again, one more time, subscribe to this podcast. Please subscribe. Leave five star feedback if you enjoy the show. Tell a friend, and we'll see everybody next week. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.